Hello everyone, welcome back to WRT with NNJ. This is Nikhil and I'm joined as usual with the one and the only. Hey guys, Jolin here. So Jolin, are you excited about today's episode? I am very, very, very much excited because it's going to be a very special episode. One, because this is the first episode that we would be recording this year. That is oh, happy New Year, by the way. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year to everyone. Yeah, that's the first thing. And two, you know what? As we promised you all, that we would not only be talking about the things that we are aware of, but rather this is going to be a platform even for us to learn new things. So we have this new series of episodes that is being incorporated into our regular episodes. Yes, where we have the guests coming over. Yes, you heard Agreed. it right. Agreed. We finally went and found an amazing guest for you guys to listen to. Um, so I'm going to give a very small introduction for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Reni. I met her, I think, around 2016 or something back in Jaipur. She went to the, we used to go to the same church. And my first introduction of her was very casual. She's like, hi, I'm like, okay, what was this very pretty lady? And we just chit-chatted for a bit. And after a while, and I realized she was so much older than me. I could not believe it. But she is Sad. an amazing person. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's an amazing person. A very cool wife. Then she, were, then she went to Canada for her studies and everything after she got married. And uh, we usually now have, we speak mostly on phone call or text or something. I don't get to meet her very often. But... I've given a very small introduction for, for from her for her blah blah. Anyway, I let her give her own introduction with her own voice. So Renidhi, would you like to take the stage now? Thank you so much, Nikhil, for introducing me so sweetly. Uh, well, guys, my name is Rene Jacob, and I am from Jaipur. Uh, I am from the same church as Nikhil. Hi, Jolin. <laughs> Yeah, so I I studied in Sofia and I did my bachelor's of nursing and my master's um, in pediatrics from Government College of Nursing, Vikanir. And then I got married and uh, pretty soon I moved to uh, Canada on a PR along with my husband and uh, uh, we uh, lived there for for some months and then I moved to London. So... For whoever is wondering why is Rinidhi appearing as a guest in our podcast, Rinidhi was diagnosed with colon cancer, was it right? Correctly if I'm saying the? Yes, it is colorectal cancer. Yes, exactly that. Uh, in 2020, and uh, she's been suffering from it. She's been fighting it. I don't even know how she does it, but an inspiration to everybody to just fight this thing and be as amazing as as she was the very first day I met her. So we're going to be talking about her journey from the time she was diagnosed with this disease and how she's been fighting against it and what all she's been going through from that particular time onwards. So... Right. Have I covered everything, Jolson? Or is there something else that you want to I just to want add? to say, like, yeah, this episode is fully going to be about her heroic journey. Exactly. Through, yeah, through the diagnosis of cancer. So, without wasting any more time, Jolson, would you like to throw the first question at her? So yes, let's get started. Uh, so, firstly, uh, how did you discover your 
uh, cancer and how did you it impact your emotional state and we just want to know what were your primary feelings and thoughts you know that emerged when you received the news right so this is actually a very heavy question because those were the days when uh, i was diagnosed and it was as as you can all predict like it is tough for a youngster or any person to get through this information so i think it was 2019 when uh, somewhere around november when i started having these very bad tummy pain and uh, i i was in canada and i used to show it to my general practitioner and uh, he would say like it's just some tummy pain and the healthcare services in canada is a little slow so we have to we used to have like this very long waiting period of around 3 to 4 or maybe sometimes 5 hours the doctors that time said like it's just tummy pain it could be some um, also or it, it it could just go off in some time and i was like yeah fine and uh, in january uh, 2020 i moved to london i got a job in london uh, in february 2020 i got i i got the severe tummy pain and i went to the emergency because since it was the emerging covid period i couldn't manage myself to get into a a general practitioner register myself to a general practitioner uh, because all the shops were not shops the clinics were closed and since i was working in a hospital i showed myself up in the emergency department and i had like well the nhs is really good but then it's again a little slow and because i wasn't showing up straight in the general practitioner's office i had to really really wait and since they have this triaging uh, process and since i was in pain i was set in the green zone and i had to wait a long time and yeah on my first appointment uh, they told me that it's nothing you, you you should go and they gave me some pain medications and i went home i couldn't manage with this pain i was on codeine codeine is a uh, is a narcotic drug and mm-hmm. the next time when i showed up with this complaint was in march february and then march yes and this was my second sick leave and i again showed up in the emergency department with this pain and they they did some scans and they said that you could be possibly having gallbladder stones is like yeah this is a good answer this could be a reason why i'm not able to eat anything and this horrible horrible terrible pain um, that's a very good reason and they gave me the symptoms with, are similar right so yeah and i was satisfied with that answer and i went back and they gave me a lot more codeine and i i just gobbled them up and uh, since it was my second sick leave i was under the uh, notice of my ward manager mm-hmm. and then uh, somewhere in march april i went for my third emergency show up because i was i was in extreme pain and this this thing i couldn't handle any anymore so i went in and i stayed there i remember i stayed there for around 7 hours with that wailing pain and i couldn't oh manage God. yes i couldn't manage at all that pain and i was just howling and shouting i was begging them to come and see me and like i'm not i'm not um putting down the nhs but then it was a covid situation and they had really important uh things to do other than 
looking into my pain so yes and this third time when i was admitted um they they just uh, referred me to a occupational therapist because in the uh, policy of employees employees you can take two sick leaves um but on the third sick leave if it is like very frequent and as you see i was um, just 3 months old in that uh, profession um they had to escalate my situation to the occupational therapist and this occupational therapist was from another hospital royal marston it's really good hospital and this doctor dr vinita kuni she assessed my whole situation and i told her that i have no other symptoms it's just that i have this extreme extreme pain in my tummy i cannot eat anything i cannot take a sip of water and she asked me if i have any bowel problems like with passing motion i said no i don't have any specific problems it's just that i cannot eat and therefore i cannot go so um i i told her in addition to that i have lost 20 kgs in in 2 months Oh and God. that was the major point which she noticed that losing 20 kgs in 2 months is like as you know it's it's know, extreme it's not usual at all yes yes it's extreme and that was the point which they noticed and she asked me to get admitted and it was i think april 16th when that night after my emergency ct scan yes it was emergency ct scan the doctors came in very politely along with other nurses and this was the most pure and humble situation in which they broke out the news to me and uh, uh, i was like uh, no this 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 cannot be happening mm-hmm. and the next day was my off day and i was on call with my mom that time when just before they came to my room and i said mama they are here and i let you know and once they broke the news to me is like what would i tell my mom and you know uh, you must have heard like people people who are dying they say like you get the whole world your whole life in front of your eyes yeah. such a situation yeah. happens and that, and that actually happened my whole life of i i i was around 31 years that time and my whole life came right in front of me and even even the life after this news which i would be like undergoing or i i would be going through even that came right in front of me i could see actually in 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 ma- in fraction of seconds i could see my funeral also my god like, wow. oh my it was extreme and i was sweating in the like the cold weather of of london i was sweating and that was around 8 pm and uh, just outside my room there was um, this open yard uh, since i told you it's an emergency department so there was this open yard and there were people clapping outside for celebrating the healthcare workers and i was like what an ironic situation <laughs> i'm getting this horrible terrible news of my life and people outside are clapping and bursting crackers i don't know why they were bursting crackers but yeah this was the situation they were praising the healthcare workers i was like yeah good i can still hear the claps <laughs> yeah so yeah that was the very first moment and they said like you'll have to stay in for the night and tomorrow would be your biopsy to confirm mm-hmm. the situation 
the whole night i was um, asked to like not eat anything and the next day they took my biopsy and by the evening they gave me my reports and they confirmed it and there was this very sweet nurse um she's a british person and her name is andrea and she came in and she was so sweet and the way she broke the news to me i was like this could be the sweetest thing <laughs> and i was i was like you know what andrea i think that could be poop no that, that's not cancer mm-hmm. what you see that that's not cancer that could mm-hmm. be poop i didn't go yesterday <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god and she was so so kind to me um she gave me a few booklets to read and that's the very good part about nhs healthcare that they give you a lot of information to read through to to just keep you informed um, i know right like help you understand what is what else yes, what all is going on the situation and how you have to cope with it what could have led you to this whole situation and uh, the emotional support or the other kinds of support like mm-hmm. million cancer support and um other therapies and they they also give you free passes like to go to places um since they know that you won't be able to go anywhere on your own <laughs> so they give you free passes to go and enjoy and relax yourself and yes since i was an nhs employee they would even give you some passes to di- visit different places like somewhere yeah. outside london and all yeah i guess automatically these things in build that confidence in you right okay it's going to get better like yeah, yeah. Can, i can go through this yeah so yeah that was the time when i came to know that i i'm diagnosed with cancer but not what kind of cancer what stage of cancer no that was not there oh <laughs> this is the year of uh, 2019 right where where we 2020. are in the timeline 2020 so just before covid or this was during covid is happening covid just hit that time yeah i so. guess feb or something right yeah i mean some some timing the not gonna mm-hmm. lie it was horrible wow <laughs> <laughs> i mean that something like this i i i don't think me and jolan can even comprehend what you must have been going through at that particular time i know even, even to come think to the about senses, something like that yeah right? that okay i have this like even to go with that thought yeah so immediately after you got the booklets you they were told you about it they gave you all the places you can visit and everything what what <laughs> i'm pretty sure you didn't didn't just start planning your holiday holiday no. destinations to go to but what were your next steps what did you plan to do how how you thought you going to go about it now so yes from that day onwards i never went back to work and from that day onwards i was on complete sick leave and after 10 days or something uh, not 10 days i think um they took my biopsy and the biopsy results had like it takes around 10 days or one week or something to get the exact result of what kind of uh, sarcoma or cancer it is or what stage it is etc and after around 10 days or one week i don't remember now um my doctor gave me an appointment and it was mr myers and okay so the surgeons there are called not as doctors but as mr and the oh. uh, yes and the doctors like if you if you call someone a doctor he is a medical doctor the one who prescribes medicines mm-hmm. and if it's a surgeon it's a mr so that is was, interesting yes. <laughs> that's new 
yeah so mine was mr myers and uh, so since it was covid situation and uh, my my uh, surgeon called me in and he 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 came up with all his uh, team and i was all alone i asked one of my flatmate to come along with me and i was holding it really well i was i i made sure that i won't cry i won't um break myself i'll have to listen carefully because if i break myself i won't understand a single word this man would say and i have to understand and once he's gone i have all the time to cry so <laughs> yeah. it was really tough and i remember him sitting in this room and there were two very sweet nurses these british people are so sweet okay <laughs> they're really mukkan butter <laughs> yeah so um two of them sat beside me each one held my hand I, and i was in such a panicky panicking situation that i didn't want to hold anyone's hand but then i didn't want to be rude so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so um he broke all the information and the very important thing which i heard was how long had you been keeping this inside yourself i said um what do you mean and he said you are on stage 4 and it's extremely critical situation you'll have to get it operated right now i said right now wow my yes. god uh, and he said like within one or two days i'll have to book in i'll have to squeeze in within other 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 people the operations and uh, you're on a priority otherwise you won't survive i was i mean this is really huge for a person to listen for sure it's coming hits yeah, after hits i i i don't remember how i was holding myself i just remember my skin my my ears my face everything was just flushing it was turning red hot <laughs> and possibly fuming wow. like you see in tom and jerry <laughs> 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 so that was the situation and uh, yeah so it was 16th and uh, on 21st he he planned a surgery for me in uh, cromwell hospital it's a different hospital in central london but then uh, he rather preferred a a better hospital it's called royal marston it's one of the best hospitals in europe and uh, since i used to work in hillingdon um and since this was a covid situation mm-hmm. um this this hospital was termed as what do you call it a dirty hospital where all the covid patients were would come in and the other hospitals there were certain hospitals which were clean hospitals in which no covid patients were allowed so yeah oh. i i was moved into royal marston luckily and i was operated there i stayed there for around a month or so I got a lot of infections. I like uh my surgery was around 8 hours. I lost a lot of blood. That's why they had to stop. Too many things are involved in this whole conversation which I I can't go in too deep. Yeah. But they plan to take out a lot of my organs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and did you had you told your mom by this point and what was her reaction when you told her for the first time? Yeah so 16th was the time 16th was the date when I came to know about it and my mom was constantly calling me and it was a friday because saturday was my day off and mom was like why aren't you going home and i said uh i'll go home i, I I'm, i'm about to re- receive my reports i'll go home and i think it was around 9 o'clock uh, in london and it was around 1 o'clock some sometime in india i said mama you go back and sleep and all 
and the next day she called i didn't pick my call when i was in hospital i didn't pick the whole mm-hmm. saturday and sunday i went back home and i said mama uh, yeah report aaya hai and look into it uh, um they'll take time uh, they they haven't spoken about it to me clearly and i was just uh, dodging the whole reply situation um mm-hmm. i don't know how to do and what do you even say in this scenario yeah and uh, my i i told i think uh, that i have this ct scan coming up and also since my mom used to work in operation theater Uh, mm-hmm. and i have this whole abdominal pain pain and situation she kind of was not expecting cancer but yes something bad she was expecting something bad and i took around a week to tell her and mm-hmm. on 28th i had to go to royal marston and i think around 26th or something only i told her i took around 10 days and i think it was 26th or something when i actually broke it that i have cancer and my mom was like yeah mujhe lag raha tha because you took so much time to reply mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i felt that it it could be it i don't know uh, how to react i i asked arpit's papa sajeev bhaiya to talk to her uh, to give context that's another family that comes in you were the first person whom i told you whom i told yes i actually came came to know about i think pretty lately no uh, if i if i'm correct oh was it Yeah, I, I, you told me about this very late, very late in if I, in my opinion, I think so. I'm not sure when you exactly told me, but I do remember I was not the first ones who came to know about it. To be very honest. Okay, um, I'm sorry, but I think it was you. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I mean, I don't recall you telling me very initially, but um, hey, it could be wrong. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I don't exactly vividly remember how it was. Um, so. Uh, you the all this operation everything in this hospital that must have cost a fortune right even though you were an nhs employee so where did you find the funds for that how were you able to find the funds for that yeah so uh, that was another kind of a blessing because i uh, was an nhs employee and every month uh, they used to deduct my nhs in like national insurance so i was under, covered under the national insurance so my surgery okay. and my medication and my stay up until i moved back to india it was all covered by the national insurance although um, my hospital stay and everything was covered i wasn't getting paid um i think after two months of my sick leave okay so you so you st- uh, stayed there in london for some time and then uh, the funds came via How exactly? So when I was in London, uh, all this treatment happened, and I was admitted for the second time in September when they found out that I have this tumor again at the same spot, and my previous tumor was around ten centimeters, and this new tumor at the same spot emerged. That was also around ten centimeters. Um, as they say, it was the size of a grapefruit. So Whoa. in the second situation. this this place i mean this tumor was situated in such a such a place where you cannot get it operated like it's just sitting adjacent to the mesenteric artery and the inferior vena cava etc so you cannot remove it surgically you have to undergo treatment uh, chemotherapy or immunotherapy or any other kind of treatment and i lost so much weight i was around 40 or 38 kgs that time that 
um, wow. these treatments yeah so these treatments cannot happen on me with that weight and i was constantly vomiting because of the morphine and fentanyl and such narcotic drugs that um these medications cannot be given to me and because of the vomits i cannot eat food so i was on uh, what do you call it um liquid diet not liquid diet the peripheral um okay okay yeah the peripheral feed um the one which goes through your veins right you call it tpa so that was the feed so you cannot give it to a person uh, on a long term basis like for a week or 10 days or something and if if you give it on a long term basis then uh, the person won't get adequate nutrition for like it's just a survival thing okay. you, you cannot keep the person alive for a lot of time so the doctor said and if this person doesn't get chemotherapy or the the required treatment um, i don't have a chance to survive a lot of days mm-hmm. and looking into the weight and health situation i cannot get the treatment so they said that i have around 3 to 4 months and this was september so 3 to 4 months i thought like I, would i be able to see even christmas 2020 wow. and that that was a very big thing and yeah so they said like either you call your parents here or your family anyone or you prefer if you prefer you can move back to india and this okay. was covid situation and i knew like something terrible is about to happen and if and if anything of that sort happens and i bring my mom here she won't mm-hmm. be able to bear it in this mm-hmm. new land with different language and different currency and no way to go no way to no one to talk to so mm-hmm. um, it was a very very difficult situation and i i and my doctor spoke to my mom and i felt like ra- if anything really goes bad she would be really comfortable within her 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 place no, makes sense like with people yes. around with people around that, so and to take care of her like for, for, for a person like me uh, if i would go at any time and that's the end of the story but the people who are left behind it's them who have to bear the whole situation so i we have to take care of that so i thought of getting back to india and as as i told you uh, i'm married so i asked my in-laws um to repatriate me back to india and they haven't been in contact with me f- for a very long time like since my surgery and all my husband stopped communicating like he would pick my calls and he wouldn't uh, be as empathetic and uh, yeah so i asked uh the required funds for re- my repatriation and they didn't respond accordingly so the church um in london they mm-hmm. raised funds some of my friends raised funds through go go fund me and that was the whole situation that's how they wow uh, brought me back to india some amazing humans indeed i know i know okay that was too much of information uh well we definitely have more and more questions to ask really curious about various things well definitely i feel we need another episode to cover all of them i completely agree jolden so hold on to your seats cuz there's a second part of this episode that you'll be listening to very soon so until then ciao bye